Hello, Mike uh, Massa here. Thank you so much for joining us. This session is called Grace from Sinai, and we want to look for two or three uh, programs here about Exodus 19 through 34. It's what I call the Sinai event, and I think we have tremendously shortchanged the amount of grace that God shows at Mount Sinai after the people had been brought out of Egypt and they finally come to the mountain where God had told Moses in Exodus 3 when Moses said, how will I know that you sent me? The Lord said, you will worship me at this mountain. It's a powerful, powerful point that we want to make clear and I, I believe that we have put God in a legalistic box that he is not actually in. So I trust this will be a, a blessing to you. I trust it will be uh, important, that it will be uh, something that you don't forget. Lord, thank you for your authority over us. Thank you for your claim on this time. Would you please grant anointings to hear, to see, to understand? Would you give revelation about who you are? And that we would come to recognize your way uh, at much more profound levels. Would you pour out your spirit on each one here, each one who's listening? Would you uh, make yourself known in their day? In Jesus. Amen. You know the story. The, the Lord uh, appears to Moses at the burning bush. That's in Exodus 3. He has been there for 40 years after leaving Egypt. And I'm sure by that time his vision that he had of delivering the people, which he had back when before he ever left Egypt. And you know that from Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is preaching, it specifically states that Moses thought that the Israelites would recognize that he was the one that was going to deliver them. So the, the, the burning bush insight God gave him, and that commission to go deliver them, was not old was not was not news to, to Moses. That was old uh, information for him. He thought that before. It's at the burning bush that he's given the divine authority to do it. So he asked the question of the Lord, how will they know that you sent me? And that is a wonderful question to ask regarding anything that the Lord is directing you to do. How will the people know that God sent you. There should be some supernatural evidence that verifies the Lord's done it. Um, anyway, we won't go into that at this point. Exodus 19 is where we are. They've come through the, the, the ten plagues. They've gone through the Red Sea. The manna has begun. They've had water out of a rock. They've already had a victory in battle. But Moses still does not know for sure that God has sent him, which is a, 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 an astonishing recognition that God says, 
I want you to know that I sent you when you're back at this mountain worshiping me. So the most people, when they think about Mount Sinai, they think about two or three trips up the mountain by Moses, two sets of tablets. They think about the, the golden calf uh, they made down there in between the first and second, and that's their basic uh, structure for the what I call the Sinai event, but it's far, far more than that. It's much greater, much more complex, and much more marvelous. And some of the stuff that um, happens um, at Mount Sinai uh, matches really, really well with our trailblazer training that I mentioned to you in the first uh, thank you. Uh, session that I had with you. Uh, there's strategic intercession, there is warfare, there is waiting on the Lord, and there's the commensurate pressure that comes with waiting on the Lord. It is my uh, settled conclusion that the greatest pressure you can put on a human being is to put them in the presence of the Lord. I don't think the devil's the biggest problem at all. I think Standing in front of him is the biggest pressure that you and I will ever face. And maybe I'll talk to you about some of that in my uh, history as well. So, Exodus 19, starting in verse 3, they've come to the mountain, and in verse 3, the first time that Moses goes up the mountain, Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. Now, this is red letters. I, I really wish we put red letters in the whole Bible, not just the New Testament, because God speaks all through uh, the Old Covenant. The Lord says, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel. So God's telling Moses to tell the people these next two verses, next two and a half verses. Here's what God said. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Three times he references himself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. So verses 4, 5, 6, and the, the first half of 6, 4, 5, and the first half of 6, are the, are the things that God told Moses. Tell the children of Israel these things. And so, verse 7, So Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before them all these words which the Lord commanded him. So the first visit's already over. Now, Mount Sinai is in the southern portion of Saudi Arabia. If you look on your Bible maps, most of them have it a little further west uh, on the other side, and it doesn't even make sense. Uh, I have several books on the actual location of Mount Sinai, and I've seen pictures of it, actual photographs of it, and the top of it looks like it's been burnt like charcoal, and it's over 12,000 feet tall, so you've got Moses, who's 80 years, years old, and he is 
trekking up the mountain, he hears two and a half verses and turns around and goes back down. (laughs) So climbing mountains up and down is both taxing for anybody. I don't care who you are. So he tells the people all the Lord's commanded. Verse 8, then all the people answered together after they heard, verses 4, 5, and 6a, all the people answered together, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. So they said yes to this invitation to uh, obey his voice, keep his covenant, and be to him a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. There's that royal priesthood thing there. Royal kingdom, kingly priest, king and priest together. So, verse 8b, so Moses brought back the words of the Lord to the people, or to the the Lord. So, in verse 8, Moses goes back up the mountain the second time. We've had the first visit that lasted two and a half verses, and now the second visit starts in verse 9. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I come to you in the thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. So Moses told God what the people had said, which was, yeah, we'll do it. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to the people, consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. You shall set bounds for the people or boundaries for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourselves that you you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. Whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain, but not touch it, not go up it. So, the Lord gives those directives, verses 10, 11, 12, 13, and verse 14, Moses went down from the mountain. So the f- first visit was two and a half verses. The second visit is one, two, three, four, five verses long, and he turns back around and goes down. Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not come near your wives. Then it came to pass on the third day. Now I want you to put your movie eyes on, okay? On the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of the trumpet was very loud. So all the people who were in the camp trembled, scared to death. Well, what would you feel like if you were at the bottom of a mountain that looked like a volcano was going off? Okay, So Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Listen carefully here. Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. So we've got volcano and earthquake at the same time. And when the blast of the trumpet, I wonder who's blowing that, sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on the top of the mountain, 
And the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Third visit, okay? Now, this, this is astonishing to me. And there's several times this kind of thing happens in the Bible. Uh, but this is remarkable. 80-year-old guy, the third visit he's made, probably in three days, or six days now. The Lord said to Moses, go down. <laughs> so he, he calls him up, and the first thing he says is, go down and warn the people, lest they break through to gaze at the Lord, and many of them perish. Also, let the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Well, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Where are the priests? Remember, the agreement from the first visit was, they shall be a kingdom of priests. All the people, the men, the women, they would all be priests. And God refers to them as such. During this third visit, he said, let the, the, the priests who come near the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. Verse 23, but Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai. You warned us, saying, set boundaries around the mountain and consecrate it. The Lord said to him, Away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So basically, this third visit is simply a repeat of the second visit, which is really amazing. Now, God said it twice. He's very serious about it. So, verse 25, Moses went down to the people, and spoke to them. So now Moses has completed three visits up the mountain, three of them, and he's down back at the bottom of the mountain, and Exodus 20 takes place, and God spoke all these words. Now the people are all gathered at the foot of the mountain, two and a half million people, they estimate, and Moses is at the bottom of the mountain with them. And God thunders out his voice from the fiery cloud. He speaks out what we call the Ten Commandments or the Ten Words. All right? I'm the Lord your God, you who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first one. You shall not make for yourself a carved image. The second one. Verse 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. The third, the fourth, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Verse 12, honor your father and mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God's given you. And then in sequence, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and you shall not covet. Those ten commandments or ten words. And we typically, because of the way we've interpreted them, typically see them as the Lord angry and harsh. You shall not, you shall not, you shall not. That's the, we don't say that, but that's the interior message. He's telling us all these things not to do. But I want to frame all ten words with the very first thing he said in verse 2. The very first thing he said is, I am the Lord your God. You won't have other gods before me. I'm the Lord your God. 
You'll not make for yourself a carved image. I'm your God. You will honor your father and mother. I'm your God. You won't murder. I'm your God. You won't commit adultery. I'm your God. You won't steal. What would you need if I'm the Lord your God? Now, I'm not saying it wasn't terrifying. I'm not saying that it it wasn't impacting and dreadful in that context. But my point is that if we change it, instead of ten commandments of do not, if we frame them with the first thing he said, I'm your God, you shall not. I'm your God, you shall not. I'm your God, you won't do that. If, if, If my children, when they were younger had stolen to, to buy some candy or to get a, a pencil or a paper for school, I would have said, why would you do that? Your mother and I, we, we, are, we are your parents. What you need will supply. You don't need to steal to get it. He is our God. And I'm going to submit to us that the, we have misinterpreted the, the tenor of these. Yes, it was frightening. It had to be frightening. The mountain is shaking. It's like a volcano is going off, and there's lightning bolts and thunder, uh, trumpets blowing. <laughs> that must have been something to hear. But the whole context was fearsome. Yes, I, I get it. But I don't think the intention of the Lord when he spoke them was to frame them as a bunch of, you better not do this or I'm going to get you kind of thing. Well, verse 18, chapter 20, all the people witnessed thunderings, lightning flashes, sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking, and when the people saw it, they trembled and stood afar off. Then they said to Moses, you speak with us and we will hear, but Let not God speak with us, lest we die. Now, what's strange to me about that is that God's already spoken to them, and they're not dead yet. So, there's there's a instead of yielding to the invitation to be a kingdom of priests, and by definition, priests have access to the authority. Priests have access to God. That's the definition. So he's there revealing himself, but they don't want him. They want the privilege. They want the blessings. They don't want him. But he told them in, in the chapter, in Exodus 19, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests. I brought you to myself. My voice, my covenant, you shall be to me a special treasure above all people. God's being extremely personal, extremely intimate with his invitation, and he's wanting them to come to him. That's always been the case. When you go back to the beginning with how God started with Adam and Eve, here's God who is almighty. He He needs nothing. He is all-powerful. He's perfectly satisfied in himself. Father, Spirit, Son, all one, interacting, glad, uh, thrilled with each other, and boasting in each other. (laughs) I really think the lightning bolts that John sees at the base of the throne in Revelation 4 and 5 
is the praises of the Father to the Son, the Son to the Father, the Spirit to the Son, etc., that, that they're blasting back the glory of the one to the other, three, one, all together. But the people, instead of denying themselves and dying to themselves and taking up this privilege to be a priest to God, they save themselves and they say, Moses, you go talk to him. And all too often, all too often, still today, though the veil has been torn and we have the privilege, you have the privilege to go meet with God. The veil was torn out of the way. Can you imagine when Jesus died, before he died, there had been countless millions of lambs and animals slain in front of that veil for several thousands of years. There had been animals slain in front of that veil, and it stood there like a steel wall. But when the blood of the Lamb was slain, the last Adam, the perfect one, when he had borne our sins for us, God did not wait for the understanding to come to the scribes and the Pharisees and the priests about what had been provided. He tore it apart. God hated that veil. He hates the separation between you and him. He hates it, and he sends Jesus to tear it apart so you can go meet with him. I love the blessing in Jude, the, the, the blessing that's given there just before the final book of Revelation. Listen to it. Jude 24 and 25. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling, listen to it, and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To present you faultless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Wow. What what a victory Jesus has won for us. And he's talking to them about being a kingdom of priests. And what's amazing is that this Old Testament verse, Exodus 19 and 6, you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. In 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter, he quotes Exodus in the New Covenant, and he makes Exodus 19.6 a New Covenant verse, grace from Sinai. Before the law was ever given, grace from Sinai. And he makes that passage in the Old Testament a new covenant passage. It's quoted in 1 Peter 2.9. It's in Revelation 1. It's in Revelation 5. And Revelation 20, one of the last verse, chapters in the Bible, talks about being priests. I'm telling you, this is a high, high priority with God. And the Israelites rejected the invitation. And after that invitation, God then established the tribe of Levi as the priests. But God, listen to me, he never forsook his yearning for you to be a priest to him. He never forsook it. And in Jesus, when the crucifixion occurred, there was another earthquake. And when the price had been paid, the veil was torn so that you can fulfill the Father's yearning for us to be a kingdom of priests to him. That's the invitation. 1 Corinthians 1.9 1 Corinthians 1.9 
says, God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. The Father has been inviting his people since Mount Sinai, has been inviting his people to himself. And the Israelites refused, and we have religiously been the same as the Israelites were at Mount Sinai. We have said to the pastor, and we've said, Pastor Moses, you go talk to him and tell him what he said, and next week we will hear you. Well, I'm here to tell you that the grace from Sinai, the invitation for the nation to be priests, was grace from God, and they rejected it. And now he's saying, again, I call you chosen people, a holy nation, a royal priesthood, that you might show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has made you a priest in Jesus. He's made you a priest, a royal priest in Jesus. And you can come and meet with him and take advantage of the privileges of that office and that freedom and carry the responsibilities that are quite powerful as well. Anyway, we'll, we'll stop today. We're going to go through these next few chapters, and we won't read every single verse from 20 to 34. We're just going to hit some highlights. Uh, but there's some things that I think are going to remarkably surprise you about the Sinai event that have not been uh, normally recognized. Anyway, thanks so much. God bless you, and we'll look forward to being with you next time. Bye-bye.